1: Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- 579 0356 or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts.
0: Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon.
1: And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Hours per Carry. We're going to be previewing Dolphins Vikings. I have Simon Clancy here. I don't have Chris Kaufman, but we will have him for the second half of the show. We're doing one of those things that you guys hated last year, which is you know we we come you know we we split up the show into two, one for Simon, one for Chris. Uh, I should release them, and then you guys could compete to see who gets the most downloads. Would that be cool, <laughs> Simon? I
2: mean, do it, do it. <laughs> People tuning in for grumpy, grumpiness will will obviously click on mine. For for Mulder and Scully, they'll they'll take you too.
1: Yeah, <laughs> ours will will just be one hour of ranting about conspiracy conspiracies, conspiracies yeah. in the NFL. You know, we might do like fifty thousand downloads. That that tends to draw an audience. <laughs> I don't know if you've yeah. known if you've been following the, the the events of the last couple of days, but. Uh, as always, this show is brought to you by Manscaped. Okay? You use promo code 5RSN and you get 20% off your entire order. And guess what? You also get free shipping. BetterEdge. Go to BetterEdge.com slash 5Reasons. That's the number 5 reasons. You get $25 just for signing up. And of course, Prize Picks. Go to prize Picks. Use promo code 5FIVE F-I-V-E, and you get a $100 match bonus. Exactly how you just heard it. $100. You sign up, they give you one hundred dollars, and you don't have to roll it over a thousand times like some of those some of those other places make you do. You roll it over once, which means you bet it through once. You get hundred dollars, so they're essentially giving you a free one hundred dollar bet. Take it. Use promo code five F I V E. All right, Simon, it's been a bizarre week, and it's getting even more bizarre <laughs> as as the days go on. Because today it's being reported that Teddy Bridgewater. Is practicing today, and oh. I, I guess well, he's gonna... wasn't
2: he, I thought he was always due to practice today in limited capacity. Today was the first day back that he could do anything.
1: Yes, uh, yeah. Today's the first day he could do anything, but he's actually practicing. He will practice again tomorrow, which tomorrow is usually a Friday's are usually a walkthrough day. But they they named Skylar Thompson the starter pretty pretty early on. And some some of our listeners are completely confused. Count me among them because Teddy Bridgewater's a pro. Uh, did he really need to you know go through the motions on a on a Tuesday and a Wednesday to be able to start on a Sunday? Like I understand, first of all, he was at the facility, which I thought that he was banned from the facility while he was in the protocol, but evidently not. So he could have been handed the the game plan. He could have sat in the classroom with the game plan. Are you surprised that Mike McDaniel named Skylar Thompson the starter so early on in the week?
2: No, not really, because I think there were concerns about other things beyond Bridgewater's head and any concussion protocol. I mean, there's an issue with an elbow. There's an issue with the pec. There's other issues. If he took all the snaps through the week and then you know, either didn't come out of protocol or the pec was an issue and he couldn't throw and he got to Sunday morning and he'd taken 80% of the reps and the rookie had taken no percent of the reps, then – or taking 20% of the reps, then, you know, that's a concern when all of a sudden you're facing a pretty good Minnesota Vikings team. So I I just think Daryl Bevel's just come out and said, look, we thought it would be advantageous for the entire team to start the guy who's going to get all the reps in practice. And we didn't know that Teddy was going to be able to take any reps in practice, given the multitude of issues that are going on. So I'm not surprised. I don't think it's... uh, a huge issue i obviously you know and if you go back to it look it was 1917 and the dolphins had a field goal to take the lead with nine minutes 40 left in the fourth quarter on the road against a pretty decent young jets team so i know he didn't play like patrick mahomes Mm -hmm. but until nine minutes 40 to go he certainly didn't shit the bed um so
1: no that came later
2: yeah of course and you that was you know you're expecting that but you know if that field goal goes through the uprights things become very different Do you know what I mean? That we kick off to the Jets. They start at a different point and everything starts differently. So who knows how it would have played out. So I don't, I'm not really surprised. I don't think there's some massive conspiracy. Um, I just think that, you know, they wanted to get the guy who's, and look, if we're going to be realistic, and if Tua comes back and plays healthy, uh, is healthy to the end of the year, plays really well, chances are teddy bridgewater will be gone anyway because it's clear from what they've said it's clear the fact they kept on the roster the first time around that skylar thompson's going to be the future at least as a backup mm-hmm. um so i think it's a good opportunity to get him some to get him some pt because um you know why wouldn't you give him the opportunity you know like i said at the top if if teddy was going to you know be questionable or or get hurt because his pecs sore or because his elbow sore and he can't throw properly then you know chucking the rookie in again who's had zero practice time this week is probably just not conducive. if if the other thing happens, Skyler gets injured and he uh, on the first possession and you can, you put Teddy in, that's not a problem. Do you know what I mean? Because he's a you know, we all know what Teddy Bridgewater can do because he's an NFL veteran, but you don't know what Skyler can do. So I just think get giving him the opportunity to run the offense throughout the week, take all the first team snaps is just beneficial to to him. If both of the guys were healthy then I'd think, okay, this is a bit weird, but clearly Bridgewater is not healthy. There's some significant issues quite apart from the concussion protocol stuff.
1: Yeah. And it's also, it's also worth to know. It's worth noting that the same thing we said last week that couldn't apply because uh, Bridgewater was ruled out after the first snap of the game, an entire week and an entire game plan devoted to what you do best should make a massive
2: difference in my opinion. Yeah. And I suspect that they're they They are drawing up plays you know, the game plan was specifically designed for Teddy. Uh, and whilst they probably tried to put in a few of Skyler's good plays, you know, this week, the entire game plan will be designed solely for this kid. And I, I suspect that will be reflected in what happens. And part of that game plan
1: has to be, uh, I don't know, did you go back and watch any of the of that Jet game? Uh, and I, Namely the running game. I, I
2: mean, I saw enough of the running game in the first half to know that it was firing pretty well.
1: Yeah, and... Uh... What was odd is that it was working with all kinds of combinations, including Brandon Shell. Okay, <laughs> which is, which we don't have to, you know, we don't have to endure. I thought Brandon Shell did a fine job, just you know, coming coming in cold. He did all right. He didn't do great, but he was fine. Uh, we won't have to do that because it looks like Teron Armstead will play. So will Xavier Howard. So they're getting some good injury luck here early this week. But the path toward winning has to come with, in my opinion, that running game. Because I think that they found something that they can lean on and can make uh Tuotonga when he does return even more lethal. And that's that a running game that you can rely on, that you can even run on first down. Because in that game, you see the Jets playing eight, nine man fronts, trying to shoot all the gaps against the running game, trying to sh- completely blow up a running game. And it still wasn't working. They were blocking it up pretty well, and Raheem Mostert was finding yards. Like, that has to be the key to even competing or even winning this game, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, Mostert's just a a good player, and if he can stay healthy, then, you know, the Dolphins have got an excellent back there. I think we talked about it on Monday, but the disappointment in Chase Edmonds um, has sort of been the flip side of that is the, you know, the excitement that Mostert brings. He can break tackles, I. I, again, I said it on Monday, there's a couple of times where it looked like he was going to break a couple of big ones earlier in, in the season and Matt Milano and a couple of other guys had sort of last-ditch tackles. I, I don't think we we're too far away from him breaking a, a huge one. Um, and that may come on Sunday if the blocking is uh, is as good as it was. Hopefully, the guys up front can be healthy. Um, you know, Austin Jackson, I, I think Austin Jackson will begin to push for that left guard position back, um, depending on how the team feel about Greg Little at right tackle. Obviously, Little playing with the, you know, at, at – either recovering dislocated fingers or a broken hand, whichever way you want to look at it, um, which has sort of limited him a little bit um, after a strong start, certainly against Baltimore. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. But you know, like, I agree with you. If they get the run game going, then, you know, look out.
1: Yeah. And, and just to to stay a little bit on that, uh, not to keep talking about the Jets, but is Jordan Whitehead the best open field tackler in, in the NFL? Because well. there was a couple of plays. And I don't know how he does this. And I, I, I don't know if you've played uh, touch football, you've seen this before. There's a couple of plays, especially one lead where they ran from their own 35-yard line, where it's just Raheem Moster and Jordan Whitehead and Green, whatever that carpet is, behind him. Jordan Whitehead made that tackle. It's a 24-yard gain. It could have been a 65-yard touchdown. He had three of those in, in mm-hmm. that game. And they kept mentioning he's a really good open field tackler. I'm like, he must be the best because he keeps short-circuiting what could be 50, 60-yard runs. Uh, you know, I just found that interesting, uh, your opinion of him, because,
2: man, he really stood out in this
1: game, Jordan White. You know,
2: I think I think they've got good players in that secondary. I think I agree with you. He's an excellent tackler. But you look at you know Michael Carter. I thought DJ Reed is a really good under-the-radar player. LaMarcus Joyner has played well. Um, Whitehead's a good tackler. Obviously, Sauce Garden has played well. I think there's a, uh, there are some good tacklers around the league. There's also some, some horrendous tacklers. And actually, I think the biggest concern for me over Javon Holland, as good a player as he is, is that he tends to be a hitter mm-hmm. and he's not a great tackler. And I'd rather see him be a great tackler than a hitter. There's a couple of times, certainly this season, where his prowess to come up and really stick someone hasn't actually worked and they've kind of bounced off him. And I think he's been a little bit surprised, whereas in, you know, certainly as a rookie, you know, we can all think of those times against Baltimore and uh, against the Titans, for example, where he comes up and absolutely puts a lick on somebody. He just quite hasn't had that this season, um, and I, I just would like to see Javon become a better tackler. And I think it's, you know, you look at a, you, you go and look at like a Micah Hyde, Poyer. The both of them tackle really well. Whitehead's another guy. Um, Matt Milano is another really good tackler. Just people that just wrap up. That's such a – it feels like it's dying art in the NFL as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, anytime you can introduce that into the into your team, that's because the Dolphins have suffered these first few weeks with missed tackles. Mm-hmm. And you kind of – I think it goes to, to what Tom Brady said the other day about a, a lot of really average football being played. And I, I certainly think, you know, some of that comes on the defensive side of things. So when you've got a guy that can come up and, uh, and tackle and bring a guy to the ground, I think, you know, you embrace that
1: yeah, and we will move on to the Vikings here shortly, but we're gonna we're gonna stay on on the team. Uh, Josh Boyer said something very interesting. It's something I had not seen him say before. but if you were looking at on the defense, we're just gonna stay on the defense because the offense, I think we can all agree that there's a lot to like on the on that offense and they still have a ways to go to improve, but that's gonna have to come with with their starting quarterback. that's I think that's the only way you can really judge an offense. But on the defense, we can judge it right now. Even though they didn't have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones for most well for this last game, and they had Xavier Howard on one groin against the Bengals for half a game. He returns also this Sunday. But Josh Boyer, uh, he essentially called out Emmanuel. Agba. He named him by name. And he said he needs to do a little reflection. And we're gonna have to go to go to work to try to see what we can do to free him up a little bit and get him some more opportunities. If there's a guy, because look, a lot of people are going to say, "Oh, J- you know, Jalen Phillips has to be better, and yeah, he does. He has to start finishing plays. But you could turn on the tape and you can say, hey, man, I like this rep. I like that rep, too. Like, look, that's a really slick rep right there. That's a nice play. Manu Agba's been completely invisible. Yeah. Uh, well, you could say he played great against the Bills because he did. He had a monster game against the Bills. He's been, he's been non-existent the rest of the season. Like, what do you make of it? And it's going to have to start right there, right? They're paying the guy $16 million. You you already have $36 million in the injury report with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. If you're going to add $16 million more, that's a problem.
2: Yeah, you got you, to agree with Josh Boyer, right? When you don't make sacks and you are paid a lot of money, you need to be absolutely on point in every other part of your game, every other department, whether that's setting the edge, whether that's playing against the run. And an Ogre speciality, which was getting his hands up in passing lanes and uh, knocking balls down. I've said this pr- numerous times on this podcast, but I don't believe Emmanuel is a 15-sacker guy season, but he's an 8-9-sacker guy season, a guy who plays really solidly against the run, who allows others around him to make plays, and bats down 8-10 balls a season, which is really important. 17
1: moment, last year.
2: Yeah, at the moment, we're not seeing any of that. And I, I no. think that's an issue, and especially an issue when they go on the other side isn't getting to the quarterback at all and for Ogba this week you know you're going up against a guy who's playing at an all-pro level in Christian Darashaw um, of the Vikings so you know I'm not sold that's going to change but what you're going to need against a Dalvin Cook certainly is uh, you know the ability to step the edge to file back inside to to Orlando Roberts to Jerome Baker to Duke Riley to Channing Tindall to, to Javon Holland um, so it's a big game for but you, but, you know, you really need to see him because the Dolphins really do need to disrupt that passing game of the Vikings, you know, so we need to, to get pressure consistently on Kirk Cousins, who isn't the most mobile of quarterbacks. So, you know, you'd hope that Ogba has a big game Sunday because the, the, this team are going to need it because if that passing game gets cooking, as it has done, you know, Jefferson, we all know about Justin Jefferson, how good he is, but, you know, Irv Smith and Amir Smith-Marset and, yeah, Adam Thielen, the guys they've got on that on that offense, Cook obviously out the backfield, Alexander Matson. We we could be in big trouble because that offense is is really solid.
1: Yeah, no, that offense is absolutely uh, really 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 good. It's it's one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, their defense is their Achilles' heel, and that's that's what the Dolphins are going to have to uh, expose. And we'll talk about that in a second. We'll stay on the defense one more guy. Josh Boyer uh, sang a little bit of praises for Channing Tindall. Channing Tindall played two snaps against the Jets. Those two snaps were pretty eventful. He got a hit, and then he got a a, a tackle on third down to force a punt. Um, is, is this desperation, or is this a move forward with Channing Tindall, getting him some snaps here going forward? Because it seems like he's going to be active, and he's going to play, according to Josh
2: Boyer. Yeah, I mean... Uh... I don't know how you can say that he's making great steps and then he plays two snaps and uh, that's fine for the for, for stuff that you see in practice. Obviously, fans don't see that. What what we need from, from Channing Tindall is very much what you're seeing around the league. And like you take the Vikings, for example, with Brian Asamoah, you take Key Walker with the with the, um, with the Packers, you take N'Kobe Dean, obviously both former teammates, but N'Kobe Dean now with the Eagles, those young hit-and-run linebackers fast, you know, you look at, certainly I watched Key Walker in the first half against the Giants, he was running 35, 40 yards downfield stride, for, stride with Saquon, they're unleashing him to get after the quarterback, he was running the alleys to get sideline to sideline, and that's what Channing Tyndall does with that speed. And it's the, it's the one thing that the Dolphins really lack is that three down. I mean, Baker is a good three down linebacker, but they really lack somebody who's just got a bit of extra zing. You know, and Micah Parsons, we talk about, you know, we talk about those kind of mutants at quarterback. Micah Parsons is an, is an outlier because he's just such a physical mutant on defense. But you want somebody who can use that speed to get to the quarterback. He was so efficient at blitzing at Georgia. He was such a good blitzer. He's such a good sideline to sideline player. And you wonder in those part in these past few weeks when Miami really hasn't been able to create pressure beyond um, for they for, for obvious reasons that they haven't run nearly as much cover zero because you know you don't run cover zero when your secondary your corners are Keon Cross and uh, Nick Needham and and uh, Kade Kohu that's just I mean that just makes no sense to anybody um, you're not going to fill the line with the linebackers and the safeties and just leave you know undrafted free agent corners Mano mano with you know, Garrett Wilson or Justin Jefferson or Gabe Davis or Stefan Diggs or whoever it is, that's just not sensible football. Um, So it it is very interesting. You'd like to see him play more, but you can also understand that Look, realistically, this is a guy that rarely started at Georgia. This is the flip side. He's a guy who rarely started. Um, And he's a guy who realistically probably should still be, at the Bulldogs playing in Athens and trying to win a second national championship, actually, because of the fact that he didn't start. You know, he, he was behind Dean and Walker for a reason. He was drafted, you know, where he was for a reason. So we shall see. But I, I think it would just be nice to inject a little bit of that uh, as a guy who can get to the quarterback on some delayed blitzes, those sorts of things, just mixing it up. And you don't want to make it obvious by bringing him in. And then, you know, the offensive coordinator is like, oh, well, you know, there's a reason why Channing Tindall's coming in. It's just a blitz, of so they're blitzing. Um, because, you know, they've got a smart offensive lineman. Brian O'Neill, the right tackle, is a really good player, like a really good player. So, yeah, it'll be very interesting, but you just do want to see him make an impact, and especially with Azukanama not playing either. You know, those yeah. those first two guys, the third and the fourth round picks, just having pretty much zero, um, you know, we're getting zero out of them at the moment, which is um, which is an issue.
1: Yeah. Now, the the good news on Sunday is that the Dolphins are at home. They tend to win a lot at home. They tend to win by double digits at home. Uh, their only close win in the last eight, which they're undefeated, they won the last eight straight at home, was against the Bills. And it's understandable that, yeah, the Bills are the only team that you didn't blow out in the last eight so that's a good thing uh the bad thing is that they're that a pretty hot vikings team is coming in they're four and one if you go through what they've done they they massacred the, the packers which is a an annual tradition in week one for Aaron Rodgers and Rodgers and the green bay packers to get blown out week one but then they moved on and they they got beat up pretty good against the eagles in a night game which is kirk cousins achilles heel i don't know why that is but kirk cousins just cannot uh, the sun goes down and Kirk Cousins fall, falls apart, and I don't know why that is, but it's a real thing. It's now going on six years of this, okay? They play the Lions in a close one, win that one. They play one out your way against the Saints, win it by a field goal, and then they played a, a thriller against the Bears. That game started, and it looked like they were going to beat the Bears by 50, and then all of a sudden they find themselves down to the Bears in the fourth quarter, and they have to come back and win. You dig a little bit deeper, and they have a fabulous offense. That's a fact. Their defense, even though they have a lot of talent and they have a lot of big names and good-looking names, man, they're bad on defense. Uh, their pass defense is as bad as Miami's, which you know how that's been. But Miami played against Josh Allen, Lamar Lamar Jackson, you know Joe Burrow. They have some decent excuses. But their run defense, Vikings run defense, allowing four-and-a-half yards a carry they've allowed two 100 yard rushers they haven't been good um what do you make of this vikings team is this is this four and one a bit phony or is this a legitimately good team
2: Uh, it's difficult to say i mean I, i i think it's probably a little bit phony actually um you know you look at the teams they've beaten you know they beat the lions by four uh, it came down to the end of the game they beat the Viking they beat the Saints as you said over here at Tottenham in a you know a really ropey game where they weren't very good they squeaked past the Bears who were one of the worst teams in football they got absolutely shellacked by the Eagles and it could have been a lot worse. The Packers game is sort of, you know, you don't want to say it's an outlier because it was, was the first game of the season. And, and ultimately, that game is very different if Christian Watson catches that eighty-yard touchdown on the first play of the game. Mm. Um, that he, you know, he's four yards open, and he literally just lets it drop through his hands. Um, so I, I, I don't know. You look at the skill set and you look at the players they've got, you know, offensively, and we mentioned them earlier on. But, you know, Cousins is ultra efficient. He's a decent player. You know, you got... Cook and Matteson, you've got Speed on the outside with Rager and Naylor, and you've got, I mean, Justin Jefferson, who's just fantastic, and Adam Thielen so reliable, and you've got Smith, and up front, they've got good players, and Cleveland, and we, we talked about the, the two tackles in and O'Neill and, and Dara Shaw, and, and and then defensively, like a load of, like you say, a load of good names, up front, strong, with Blacklock and Dalvin Tomlinson, and and guys like that, Line and edge guys, and Daniil Hunter, and Zadarius Smith, and Eric Kendricks is a great linebacker, and they're young in the secondary Cam dancers playing very well. Um, yeah, you know, Harrison Smith is always, you know, is a really good player, but it hasn't quite clicked for them. Um, so you'd hope that if you can get pressure on, you know, you can sort of keep the run game under control. You can get pressure on Cousins and you can you can keep Justin Jefferson in check. Then, you know, you'd figure that we'd have a chance. And I think with Tua, I would absolutely fancy us to win this. Um, it's just such a difficult call to say, you're going to put your seventh round rookie quarterback at, against you know a defense that contains you know as as average or as up and down as they played that contains a Daniel Hunter, a Zadarius Smith, a, an Eric Kendricks, a you know Cam Danzler, a Harrison Smith, a Chandon Sullivan, a Pat Peterson, Harrison Phillips you're going to put you know your seventh round rookie in against this line expect them to beat them it's a it it, it feels like a tough tall order um but I don't think that they are you kind of put them with the Giants in that you kind of want to feel like they, I know the Giants beat the Packers, but you feel like the Packers almost beat themselves in a way. Mm. You want them to really take, a, are, are the Vikings going to beat the Buffalo Bills? I don't think so. Are they going to go to Baltimore and beat the Ravens? I don't think so. Now, how much of an outlier was that for the Dolphins remains to be seen. You know, you can't get spanked 40 to 17 by the Jets and think that everything's okay in your house. So. We shall see. I think it's a very interesting and important game. And if if the Dolphins get a game out of Skylar Thompson, then I think they've got every chance. But it's a, you know, it's a, it's a big ask.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see because it's uh it's one of those um, you know, irresistible force meets a movable object. Is it one of those things? Somebody had a, a stat, and I found that insane. And I started looking at it. Games that two has played completely, they're eighteen and four in their last 22, but he tends to leave these games. And when they leaves these games or when he comes in, in the second half, like, you know, it's, it's a different story. It is Keller Thompson. And that's what, that's what makes me wonder, you know, what are they going to do? But it's going to, it's going to be really up to their, their defense. It's going to have to be the dolphin defense is going to have to show up finally. And they tend to do that at home. And I guess we'll, we'll, we'll end it right here before we go to break and then bring on Chris Kaufman. I think, Think they get it together because they have to. I think that there's a there's a new resolve on this team. They're finally gonna have a game plan. They're gonna implement it. That jet game. First of all, I, I don't think the jets are garbage. Okay, I think no, the I jets, don't either. I, anybody I,
2: thought they were is, just doesn't know what they're talking
1: about. Yeah, I think the jets are are smack dab in that eight and nine territory. And when you're eight and nine, you could beat almost anybody on the right Sunday. You get the right circumstances, you could beat almost anybody. So, you know, they. I think that it was just. It it piled on. It piled on on the Dolphins, and then of course they imploded in the fourth quarter. The last nine minutes. I think that's the. I think that's an extreme outlier. They're gonna have a game plan this week. They're gonna be at home. Kirk Cousins at one o'clock games, man. Like it's one of those things. Like he needs to be in Minnesota at four o'clock, and they're unbeatable. (laughs) Okay, he he cannot be at it cannot be at night, and it cannot be at one o'clock on the road, on grass. Which tends to be a thing, right? Xavier Howard's healthy. I think they do just enough, and they find the running game because they have to. Vikings are terrible stopping the run. Uh, They're the third-worst defense against the run in the NFL. They're allowing four and a half yards of carry. Man, find that running game. Run for 200 yards if you have to. Make it boring, but find a way to get this win. And if you get this win and you're 4-2, and you're home free. Because then you can start looking at the schedule and saying, whoa, we could really pile on the wins here going forward. I think they get it together. They're at home. They find a way. And let's say, you know, they eat it out. Uh, Let's call it 23-19 Dolphins.
2: What say you, Simon? I'm going to go 27-24 Miami, only because it's at home. Only because they've had a week to mess around with Thompson. I wouldn't surprise me if you saw some wildcat and some sort of fairly crazy – uh, motions and, and and those sorts of things this week i think they'll keep it generally very simple for him um they're going to have to sort of overcome some of the coverage issues that they've they've gone up against in terms of defenses playing cover four against the guys down the field which has sort of stopped some of the big plays that we saw early in the season um they're going to have to try and rectify and you can only rectify that really by by getting guys loose underneath and whether that's the tight ends, whether that's Kosicki, whether that's the backs out of the backfield, those sorts of things, I, I think they're going to need to get Hill and Waddle involved early, but not with manufactured touches, which is a difficult thing when you've got a rookie quarterback, because what you really want are manufactured touches. But, you know, what you want to do is try and, is try and establish the run so they bring up a Harrison Smith into the box and then hit them over the top. Um, because Thompson's got the arm to be able to do that. We saw that in the preseason. We saw it if you watched him in college. So... um I think a Miami victory. Do I think a Miami victory? I don't really know. I I think that it's a pick'em game. So, but because I'm a Dolphins fan, I'll go. I'll pick the Dolphins. But uh, you know, if 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 we were sat here and it's Monday and the Vikings are one by ten, you know, I would not be shocked either. So, but you know, I've got my cheerful hat on. So um, <laughs> let's say Dolphins win.
1: Yeah, and that'll set up uh, an awesome week because it'll be it's going to be like a celebration. Really, it's going to be uh, Sunday night. Uh, against the Steelers, they're going to bring back the 72 team. It's the, They're going to celebrate 50 years of the undefeated team. They're going to wear the throwbacks. They should have a raucous crowd. It's the first Sunday night game in Miami in about six years. So it should be a big deal, man. But if they get this one, they'll be in a really nice position going forward. All right, we're going to go to break right now. When we come back, we will have...
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Filet-O-Fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the Filet-O-Fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Chris Kaufman, but first, these words. I'm pretty sure you've heard about OnlyFans, right? Well, guess what? you're gonna hear it about it again okay it's three dollars a month three dollars a month it's less than a cup of coffee join only fins go to patreon.com slash only fins o-n-l-y fins only fins three dollars a month you get a chat you get to hear or see what we say on a daily basis chris simon alf see what they say news breaking news video draft info year round we get we have giveaways after every single win during the season, and of course, that great chat with over a thousand members. Join today, three dollars a month. Do it. And we're back, and as promised, Chris Kaufman, or as Simon says, well, which one are you from? What is it, Scully, and, and what, and Mulder?
3: Are, are we? Are we? Oh, okay, we're we're Scully and Mulder now?
1: Yeah, well, yeah. Simon says that we're going to engage now in our half hour of conspiracy talk of the NFL. Uh, so, we're, <laughs> we, so we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to whisper through this half hour here, you know?
3: Well, I think that uh, we'll probably be shut down halfway through the recording.
1: Yeah, yeah. Roger Goodell has his finger on the button, like... <laughs> yeah. I
3: mean, i'm i'm looking out my windows now just to make sure um that there aren't any cars parked across the street but um you know
1: yeah it's, it's uh, yeah if, if, and by the way if nobody believes us that the that some in the media have an effect uh just take take a gander of what mike florio is saying today because what he's saying today is so outlandish that you can't help but laugh problem is that he's reaching millions and millions of people and they'll listen to him and he's also he also works for a partner of the NFL so there's that okay
3: I try very hard not to pay attention to what Mike Florio says in general Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah
1: (laughs) yeah you could ignore Mike Florio all you want but he's extremely relevant okay you know he's very very relevant
3: like, unfortunate, like unfortunate as it is.
1: Yes, and yeah. In one week's time, if Tua is playing against the Steelers, you know who will be in studio as uh, as one of the hosts, Mike Florio. Like he matters. Like he he actually matters. Like he's a big deal. And he's uh, out there. Yeah, he
3: does. He does. You know.
1: And, and he's I, out I'm there.
3: Not, I'm not gonna take. I'm not gonna take. You know. Simon always says, "It's like you know, who cares? Who cares? Who cares?" I, I realize a lot of people care. Um, and I do most of the time too, but I, th- I just think that Florio and Sims just kind of went. They kind of, you know, they jumped the shark. They they just went so far before that it's just like, okay, now it's in tune-out mode. But no, it's it's true. I mean, he's he's he is all of them. Florio is all over the place. He is uh, he is an important um, you know media personality, and so what he says. Definitely. I mean, it gets out there, and he's going to be he's going to be on the broadcast. So that's yeah. that's nice.
1: Yeah. And Florio today, you know, he said that he's seen Tua, and he's willing to bet anybody that he doesn't weigh 190 pounds. Okay. Yeah,
3: I've seen I've seen Tua too. <laughs> uh, I've been I've been right next to Tua. and I've, I've uh, stood
1: right next to Tua. Yes.
3: Uh, I've talked I've talked to Tua, um, and and this was this was injured Tua too. Like I, I, I talked with, and I, I was standing with um, Tua when he was coming off the hip injury uh, before he'd even been drafted by the Dolphins, and so you know that the guy couldn't exactly, you know, he, he, he was if he asked to work out and such to gain weight, um, then you know obviously he he had been taking it easy because of the hip injury, and there is absolutely no way if he was. If he was 190 pounds, then, you know, uh, then, then I'm, then I'm 170, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's no, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. Um, well, it's just a, absurd.
1: Yeah, because uh, Florio, Florio says that special consideration has to be paid to Tua to coming off of his head injury because he is so unusually small. Uh, these are. Well, really I mean, maybe
3: worse. Florio himself is just so incredibly small that everybody <laughs> else seems seems so huge.
1: Yeah, and then I mean, Kristen awesome. says, "Well, I mean, he's smaller than Drew Brees. Uh, he's not smaller than Drew Brees. He's not not Brees.
3: smaller than Drew Brees. <laughs> he's he's literally he's he's literally I think a quarter inch taller. Um,
1: and about 15 pounds heavier than Drew Brees. Yeah.
3: Well, uh, you know, he's yeah, <laughs> yes."
1: Yeah, he's not giant, but he's not small. But you know, this is this is the new tact, and you know the Dolphins just gonna have to grin and bear it until he plays out there. Um, you know, Tua doesn't say a word, you know, and he doesn't listen to none of this shit, you know. But eventually, he might have to, okay? Because all these people are they're hurting him in the long run, okay? Uh, I'm pretty sure he he doesn't know this, but somebody will eventually tell him. Look, these people are hurting you in in the long run, okay? they they're installing all these narratives all over the place and eventually it's going to start hurting your bottom line because advertisers are going to be start believing all of this garbage that everybody's saying but anyway let's move on to the the vikings they play a game this sunday um are you surprised by the way i asked i asked simon the same question and he said no uh, i'm i'm still a little bit surprised by it are you surprised that Mike McDaniel just ran out there. Hey, Skylar Thompson starting, and Teddy is the emergency guy, maybe. And as it turns out, yeah, Teddy Teddy will be the backup on on Sunday. As of right now, are you surprised by that?
3: A little bit, but um, I can't be terribly shocked. You know, we've been talking about all this time that Mike McDaniel has has a sort of if you don't practice, if you don't uh, you, you don't play. Yeah, unless you're Teron Armstead. Um, um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, with, with very few exceptions and certainly, certainly I think at the quarterback position where, you know, that, that person is essentially a conductor um, of so, so many pieces of the offense that if, if you're not practicing, then it's, it's difficult to to say that you're going to play, especially, especially as Teddy is the backup. He's not, you know, he's not, the starter, um, he he hasn't gotten the most. The starter gets the most attention, especially the starter in a make or break year, right? And mm-hmm. We're talking training camp. We're talking all the all the sessions, everything. The starter gets all the attention. The backup gets you know some attention. The third stringer gets like almost no attention, and um and and so like if you're the backup, then how can you be? You're not going to get like the Brett Favre, the forty year old Brett Favre treatment. You know, like, hmm. like, yeah, OK, you don't, you know, practice the entire week. But, yeah, suit up game day. You're in. You know, that's that's not going to happen. Um, so in that way, it's not shocking at all. Um, but it was a little bit of a surprise. I think a lot of us were thinking, OK, well, you know, Teddy, he, he never he never had a concussion. Um, so he's uh, so he can come back for light duty on Thursday and then uh and then full duty on friday and and you know maybe maybe that's enough maybe that's enough but um I, I think mike mcdaniel would say no that's that's not really enough as the backup quarterback uh it might be enough you could argue for the starter too but um but probably not the backup
1: yeah it's uh it's it's going to be interesting to see you know, what it actually means. Uh, we didn't get to test our theory you know, last week that 10 days with Teddy getting ready for the Jets was going to work because, well, he got pulled in the first snap of the game, so we don't know. And yeah. It, you yeah. know, but this is different, uh, maybe. Do you think it's different? You know, a full week for Skyler Thompson, will he, will he look sharper? Will he look more on schedule? Do you think he'll look like he'll have command of the offense? Or did you see enough in that jet game to say, Ugh, "I don't know about this kid."
3: Uh well, you know, it's it's sort of it's sort of all of the above, isn't it? I mean, it's cuz mm-hmm. cuz yeah, he's going into that game as coming from the standpoint he was a third stringer and then going into that game suddenly as the primary backup and then suddenly being thrust into the game in the second snap of the game. Um you know, we we talked about this. There's just not very many plays, you know, like there, there just aren't very many plays that he, that he would have had a firm grasp on, um, coming from the position he's coming from. And so it really did look like, you know, the way that it just kept going downhill as the game went on for him. Mm-hmm. Um, it did look like they just kind of ran out. They ran out of bullets. Uh, and, and then the defense, you know, is on to you and that's it. And um, and I think that they have a better chance of being able to complete a game against Minnesota with a full week's, you know, full week install um, with him as a starter. But uh, and that's that's I think that's I think ultimately that probably is what swayed Mike McDaniel. If you think about it, like if you if you think about how. the the snaps had to be divvied up and how the attention has to be divided um, during the work the week. Uh, If they started, you know, trying to get Teddy up to speed as starter on Thursday, Friday, and then Teddy goes into the game and gets, and you know, some spotter decides he needs to come out again. Um. Then you're in the exact same position with with uh, with what's his name with uh, Skylar Thompson mm-hmm. and and also I mean keep in mind Teddy's got other injuries right now so um, so I, I think that the safer bet is to spend all of your start all of your attention and all of your snaps on the guy that has a better chance of actually being able to be in the game and finish the game and um, and right now that's Skylar Thompson
1: yeah. Now, uh, I already talked to I already spoke to to Simon about the Vikings. We kind of kind of agreed that they're not they are and one. There's no doubt about that, but they aren't the strongest of 4 ones. They've beaten some bad teams in in thrillers. They got smoked by the Eagles. And then uh, you know, they they did their obligatory, you know, hopefully we get the Packers one of these years the first game of the, the season cuz they just make a habit of just going out there and getting killed. <laughs> Every season in week one. So they have that one under the under the cap, but they made a really bad Bears team look competent as they coughed up a big lead in the fourth quarter. But one thing's for sure. Their offense is good. Their defense is absolutely horrific. Uh, They give up four and a half yards per carry. Their pass defense is actually as bad as ours, (laughs) which is saying (laughs) something. Although ours is supposed to improve this week because Xavier Howard no longer has, uh, well, he may have a groin issue, but it's not bad enough to keep him out of this game. Uh, Maybe there's no T. Higgins out there to to bruise his 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 coming
3: back. His coming back is going to make a big impact. I think that there's there's no, I don't think there's underplaying. Uh, I don't don't want to underplay what his coming back is going to mean because um, when he's, you know, if he's if he's well rested and you know prepared to play the whole. The whole game, um, then I, I'm. It's clear that he struggled at times this year, and he has struggled with that injury. Mm-hmm. But with you know the 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 time that he's had, uh, if he comes back and he's playing and he's playing his usual self or, or pretty close to his his usual self, then I think that there is definitely an uh, argument to be made that you know, he will have a major impact just because of the way Minnesota runs their offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, yeah, I think that that's, that's one to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, the last time we saw Xavier Howard at the height of his powers was against the Bills, and he really looked great in that game. He really did. He 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 did a very nice job traveling with, with Stephon Diggs, made some very nice plays, got his hands on two footballs, should have had probably two picks in that game. But, uh, yeah, the more the more I look at this Vikings team, one thing is for sure, their offense is absolutely legitimate. They have a lot of talent on that offense. They have good players at every level. Mm-hmm. Uh, even at Tad, Annerv Smith is a really nice player. Left tackle, Christian Dyrusaw. I don't know if you've been keeping up with him, but.
3: I have. And, he's, uh, legit, and he, and he's legit. Absolutely legit. He's been fantastic.
1: <laughs> yes, he has been. And we talked about it, right? When, we were, when he was coming out, we were like, you know what? He's, he's, he's all right. But we, I think we liked others better. I think we liked Andrew Thomas better that mm-hmm. year. Was that the, was that his year? It was, Uh,
3: I kind of forget, I forget which year he was. I I just remember evaluating Derrissaw and thinking he looked like a less athletic, you know, clearly less athletic, but, but there was something about him that reminded me of David Bakhtiari's, um, you know, college tape Mm -hmm. and, um, and, but he's less athletic and you can see that on the tape, but it, it, it was something that reminded me of that though, and um, he's been he's been great so far as a
1: rookie. Mm. Yeah, let me let me. I'm gonna look him up here. Uh, he was drafted. Was it 2019 or 2020?
3: Um, your guess is as good as mine, man. I don't have it up in front of me.
1: I think it was 2020. 2020. Let's look him up. Okay, uh, I'm, pull, I'm pulling
3: it up right now as well, but. Um yeah he was uh first round twenty third overall the same draft as soul and leatherwood and um boy this that, is you know, let's just let's just let's just appreciate how bad some of this draft looks at the um at the at that <laughs> position at that position
1: yeah you know? at that yeah i i'll 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 go first okay i like the uh, i like penny sewill obviously but most of the debate was about you know, a skill player or Penny Sewell and, and I wanted a skill player, but of the rest of the guy, I felt Rashawn Slater was all right. Elijah very Tucker. I thought was all right. I didn't like Alex Leatherwood. And I remember that I thought Christian Darisaw was going to be over drafted in the first round. Turns out he was pretty good. <laughs>
3: Darisaw. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tevin Jenkins hasn't, you know, we, we know about Tevin Jenkins.
1: I liked him a lot and he's, he's just not good. No. Um,
3: Leatherwood, you know Leatherwood has been a tragedy, right? Yeah. Uh, Eichenberg, I'm sorry, but this is second year now, and maybe we need to start having this discussion. Uh, this is second year. He's at left guard. He's at the position that we we said should be easier for him,
1: mm-hmm. and it's not working. It's just not working,
3: and it's not working. Why? And why isn't it working? You know, it, and it could be that that thing that they talk about a lot, which is that in this system really takes offensive linemen some time um to get fully up on it uh but damn right (laughs) yeah you know that's that's not working and it kind of kind of makes you wonder if we should start you know um uh, i don't know fiddling around with the the position a little bit and and see if uh and see if see if we can get a better five out there but i know this like you know okay so spencer brown was a big fan of I mean, I think he's played alright. I think he's I think he's he's been more than up to the task for uh, you know especially for being drafted at the end of the third round. But you know I was a big Dylan Raden's fan. He's he's been he's been he's been terrible. Mm-hmm. Um he's a backup but you know even when he's gotten out there he's he has struggled. Um and and so I think that yeah there's there's a lot of bad tackles offensive linemen in there that um i don't know man it it didn't end up being a good class
1: (laughs) no and at 63 overall creed humphrey uh headed to the hall of fame sadly (laughs)
2: yeah
3: yeah. well and and i think i think actually brady christensen as a left guard is um has has done well has done pretty well I, i i'd be interested in keeping track of his um his progress from here on out too. And obviously I think that's what Raddins is going to have to do too, is, uh, is, is going to guard, um, you know, because he's, he's played. You know, I, maybe he doesn't have the constitution for it though. That's a, I'm, I'm arguing against myself now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, yeah, that's been that's kind of a, kind of a bad class.
1: Yeah, I'm going down this class, and yeah, there's not there's not too much here, right? That's
3: our that's our Learnout Coleman draft.
1: Oh boy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's our. I think the options are. Look, Austin Jackson's returning to practice. I think the option is, as of right now, is just Austin Jackson, on the left guard. Like that's pretty much it, right?
3: Uh no, um, I, I, you're not worried about Greg Little. I am.
1: I am, uh, but yeah, they're gonna have to figure out, you know, what's worse because uh, we know Greg Little has two games where he was healthy, and these are no slouches. This is the Ravens, and these are the Bills, okay? But he's never healthy. Uh, that's the problem. <laughs> uh,
3: you know, I, I, I and I, I share your opinion that when he's when he was healthy, he, you know, he did he did all right, but we just had to have the entire game with Brandon Shell, a career right tackle. Mm. At left tackle, right? And 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 the reason we did that is because we didn't, you know, we didn't move Greg Little. And I think that when Austin Jackson comes back, he reclaims his right tackle spot. And he was, you know, keep in mind, he got better every single preseason game. And then, you know, for what little he played in that first game, uh, was the best that I had seen him
1: at right tackle. So by the way, Chris, I, I don't know if you saw the did you see the availabilities today by all the coaches? No, no, no I didn't. Frank Smith had a great, great quote. Get this quote. You ready? What? We don't believe as a staff in cross-training our offensive linemen. Really? (laughs) Yes. We want to keep them where they are and have them trained up where they are right now. We think by moving them, we probably hurt their further development.
3: You know, part of me is like a hallelujah on that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I think about it. Like you get Austin Jackson back at right tackle, and that that way Greg Little can can back up Teron Armstead, who keeps coming out of games, and we know that he's going to keep doing that. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's that's the drawback with him. So I, we can't keep having Brandon Shell go out there and play sixty snaps at left tackle. No, no, it, it's you know, and so and and if they don't like to move guys. Shift guys all around during the game. You know this guy switches from right tackle to left tackle. This guy switches from right guard or you know, et cetera, et cetera. If they don't like to do that, and clearly they don't, then you need to have you need to have Austin Jackson uh, go back out to his the position they intended, starting him at right tackle, and then you need to have um you need to have Greg Little playing behind because he was the swing tack swing backup.
1: You know mm-hmm. that was his job, and he's been and he's been that for months.
3: Yeah, that was that was his job. So, um, so get him back over there to where he can take care take care of the position when uh, when Teron Armstead inevitably inevitably comes out, um, which is happening too much, and it's you know really it's it's discouraging, frankly. But um, yeah, I think yeah, I think I think that's your probably your better bet now what what would they do at left guard though i mean if, if liam Eikenberg is, i think they're just going to give keep giving them more time mm-hmm. you know and then we'll see because hey we've seen guys look really bad and then eventually they look good
1: yeah eventually you know it just turns around for them and speaking yeah, I mean, of, of guys that look really really bad and then it turns around for them did you find it odd? And I asked Simon this, and we, we spoke at it at length, and I wanted your opinion on it because I think it's really important. Because not only did they have $36 million on, on IR or on the bench last week in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, but they have another $15 million in Emmanuel Agba, who's essentially played one good game all year. The, the game against the Bills. He was he was spectacular against the Bills. That was a great game by Emmanuel Agba against Buffalo. He's been non-existent the rest of the year, and Josh Boyer kind of called him out, named him. He used his name, said he has to look inward, and we're going to try to do everything we can as a staff to try to get him opportunities.
0: Emmanuel yeah. Agba's
1: just been pretty bad in most of these games, except for the Bills game, where he was, again, spectacular. Um I'm not going to say, are you concerned? Because he's not injured; he's still the same Emmanuel Agba. But what do you make of of his play so far this year? I think it's noticeable of of how non-existent he is.
3: Well, I, I think I think the Dolphins have to look at how they're using him too. Mm-hmm.
1: Because wait, just is... to, just to, as an aside, uh, just to throw this in uh, before you go on this. Uh, last year he had 17 PBUs. 17. Yeah, you heard that correctly, people. He mm-hmm. has one this year. One.
3: Well, I, I think that they have to they have to um, look at how they're using him. I think, you know, the Jets game to me would have been a, a good opportunity to take your foot off the gas as far as the blitzing is concerned, uh, and and really allow the defensive linemen to have more agency and how and and how they're going about their attacking. Um, and they didn't do that. They blitzed Zach Wilson on half of the plays on on half of his plays which is more or less the average of what they've been doing, I think, for the entire year. Um, and it works sometimes, you know. And, and it, people argue, and they're, they're statistically they're correct, that Zach Wilson can struggle against the, the Blitz. Um, but I think that uh, when, when you have so many Blitzes, if you think about it, setting up your blocker is a big part of the game for a pass rusher, right? I mean, that's what these guys, that's how these guys make big plays and big moments is, is they're, they're able to set up their blockers um, and, and then, you know, hit them, hit them at the right moment or even get them into a rhythm where the blocker just keeps over correcting, you know, and and then they're just dominating him the whole game. That interplay between pass rusher and pass pass uh, protector that's um, setting up blockers is can be can be really important I think that any of the players that you talk to they they talk to or they've talked about that um, what happens when you have a very very blitz heavy team defense uh, and your action like everything that you do the the technique that you that you do on each play because of all the blitzing is dictated Really, um, it's by the by the play call. I mean, and, and we're talking about rushes where you have to just occupy a guy because we're trying to spring or spring open the the blitzer, um, you know, games and, and things like that. Like you, you don't have a lot of agency to to try and to try and choose what you're doing uh, in this style when you're being crowded out by the blitzing or, or by the plays where where your your technique is set. Um and if if you have a lot of that, then you haven't really been able to spend any time setting up your blockers so that you can be effective on other plays. Um and and so I, I wonder if this defensive line, I mean, we know the defensive line is talented, physically talented. Um but they're being crowded out by the blitz action so much that I, I wonder if they're really they're really able to just go out there and play and um, and play the game and, and actually, you know, actually beat their blockers that way. I, I, am curious about that. I don't know that it's true, but, um, but it's certainly, it's certainly something that um, that would make sense to me. Uh, And, and so at some point, you know, you'd think they have to pull back off of the blitz and protect the secondary, Um, which, you know, keeps having corners get banged up byron jones has never been out there Xavier howard's struggling yeah. uh, nick needham nick needham gets gets hurt up or not hurt but like you know he gets hit up out there um mm-hmm. Pater coho is a rookie and he's he's playing a
1: lot mm. uh, i'm playing well i'm playing well by the way but you know at well some point. yeah but
3: it, but it's like playing well but like playing well every snap no no <laughs> you know uh and and the problem is it's the it's the volatility with with a rookie uh he plays well on a lot of plays but the plays that he doesn't play well you know is a real oops um and that that tends to be what happens i think with young with younger players uh so yeah i mean you would think that they'd be protecting the player i'm a little disappointed in josh boyer overall uh this year as a defensive coordinator i think he had a Really nice showing in the first game. Um, and since then, it's been really downhill. Really, really downhill.
1: Yeah. Although I liked his game plan, uh, although he, he tended, he got almost all of it and threw it in the garbage can against the Bills. Yeah. Like he, he changed like mid flight (laughs) against, against the Bills, but that was a very nice defensive performance. Um, you know they got 14 quarterback hits, four sacks. Like you know they got their hands on on footballs. That that was almost the you know a tour de force performance against the the Buffalo Bills. But now you know they're at home, and we'll end it right here. They've won eight in a row at home. Their average margin of victory, save for the last one, because the last one they only won by two against the Bills, is 12 points. So they beat everybody by 12 points or more on average. At home, mm-hmm. in their last mm-hmm. eight games. They tend to play really, really well at home. Most of that yeah. is with Tua Tungabalo, by the way. Okay?
3: Well, there's something to be said for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, like I said a, a little bit earlier, I did a, a Minnesota Vikings uh, podcast, and they were remarking that, uh, that and which is an interesting stat, Tua in games where he plays the majority of snaps is 18-4. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. Is that a number or is that a number?
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, and and... Really, if you think about it, um it's about the comparison. Yeah. Because what about the other what about the other games is what I'm saying. Yeah. They're not they're not 18 and 4. No, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> almost like flip it upside down. It's yeah, it's you, two, and them, uh, two and
1: ten. Two <laughs> and ten.
3: <other> <laughs> um, so you know it's it's everybody's like, oh, QB wins, you know, you should never talk about wins with respect to a TV And I'm like, well, what about what about the comparison? Yeah. You know, what about what about when he plays versus when he doesn't? Clearly, something's going on there. You know. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, and like I said on the, on that podcast I did today, I I think two is the the he's the good soldier. Like he's the guy who a head coach can tell him, I I need you to play this way today,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and he'll go out there and he'll play that way. He won't turn it over. He'll he'll execute the way you want him to execute, and that's it. If you ask him to throw it all over the lot, he will, and he did against the Ravens, and won. Uh-huh. So, you know, I, I think that he's really adaptable to, to what a coach wants to do, and most coaches, they're not incompetent. You know, okay, I know we've had some, some run-ins with other coaches here in Miami, but most coaches know the path to victory. And one of them is to have a, a quarterback play efficiently, and Tua can do that. All right, on the way out. I already gave you all those numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will tell you that Simon and I, both think Miami wins it in a squeaker behind a running game and a defense that turns over the the Vikings. Vikings defense is bad. One o'clock games for whatever reason is a is a, is an omen. For, the only way this could have been better, Chris, is if, if this game were at, at, on prime time at night. Okay, uh, they have a lot going for them. Do they mm-hmm. win on Sunday?
3: No. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm sorry to not make this unanimous, uh, and I'm you know, hey, uh, hit me up at the Steelers game because I hate because I think the Steelers are terrible, but um, but I think that yeah, the, the Vikings give them some respect. They're four and one for a reason, and their offense is pretty consistent. Um, and right now it's the defense. I mean, yeah, we got. We got the third string. We got the third string quarterback in there. He's a seventh round rookie, starting his first game because he didn't obviously he didn't start that that game last week. Um, starting his first game, his, his first or seventh round rookie, obviously offense very questionable, right? <laughs> yeah. Because of that, I mean it's, it's it's it has to be. It's a reality. It's, don't let's not play fantasy here. Um, but right now, and yet you know take that aside the defense seems to be the most questionable aspect of the team and the vikings offense has been pretty consistent offensively uh so you know i don't i don't know that i don't know that i really see a victory here i, I just don't i think i think it's a reality check you know they're a 4 and 1 team for a reason and we're starting a seventh round rookie at quarterback and our defense hasn't you know, is doing the same thing it did last year, which was to say, at the beginning of the year, uh, have an all right first first game, and then just really stink for uh, for a good long stretch. Will they Will they get it? Will they get the defense turned around like they did last year, and then finish out the season strong? Well, you know, we'll find out. But um, but while the defense is so questionable, how can I pick them to win this uh, this uh, Vikings game? Uh, against the Vikings, even at home. So no, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick them to lose.
1: All right. So you have the Vikings snapping their their eight game winning streak at home, and then yeah. they have to start a new one against the Steelers. All right. That's it. The next time we talk to you, we'll have results in hand. We will we'll know what happened on Sunday against Kirk Cousins and company, and then we'll look forward to Sunday night football with the uh, versus the Steelers and with. Possibly a certain quarterback coming back. But till then.
0: Thanks for listening to three yards per caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Crispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day.